On this week's episode of 90 Degrees, we talk to a professional broadcaster in the sports betting media space. What does he think the future of sports betting looks like? And what's one NFL team that's being overlooked this year by the markets? That and more on today's episode of 90 Degrees. Welcome to 90 Degrees, where we take an inside look into the sports betting industry. I'm your host, G-Stack George, and I'm excited because I got a fellow paisano, a fellow Greek, a fellow broadcaster, Nick Costas, joining us. Nick, thanks for joining us. What's going on, man? Uh, great to be on with you. Kalisto, as they say in, uh, in the motherland, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you about uh, the art of broadcasting, a little bit about football. But first, I want to know, you're born and raised in New York, and I'm in Toronto, and those are like two of the biggest Greek hubs right up there with like Sydney, Australia, for all the Greeks congregated in those three cities. Um, New York, right? You've got a, a, a world where you have two sports teams in almost every league. And I've always wondered, how do you guys decide which of those two teams you're going to follow? Is this a family thing? You got to you got to adopt what your uh, parents followed or, or did you make your mind a different way? Yeah, for me, it was like strictly a family thing. And um, I grew up in Queens uh, as a Yankee fan. And a lot of people say, well, like, how is that possible? Like the Mets play in Queens. Well, my grandfather grew up in the Bronx and he was a Yankee fan. So it's really like it's it's what my the teams that my grandfather rooted for. And then my dad and then me. And then I have kids like those kids will absolutely root for the same teams. and won't be allowed to root for any of the others. So it's Giants in football, Knicks in basketball, Yankees in baseball. Rangers and hockey to a lesser degree. Now I am wearing a Chelsea uh, kit right now. I actually bought this in Japan when I was there in 2019. Um, I, Got into the Premier League in 2011, really, was the first year. 2010, I was interested, but 2011, I decided I would like to be, like, all in on soccer and really start following the Premier League. All the teams I root for were blue, uh, so I chose Chelsea, like, literally for that reason. And then they they won the Champions League literally the first year that I was, like, really watching seriously, which was which is obviously great. I remember where I was for Fernando Torres' goal against Barca at the, at the, at the, at the new camp in the semis, and then, obviously, uh, Drogba with the header in the 88th, and then winning in penalties at the Allianz against Bayern in the final was was really great. That's incredible. Do you, uh, how old were you when you became a Giants fan? And man, did you pick the right New York team to follow in football? Well, you know, it's kind of like a similar a similar thing. Um, my first super I've been an obsessive sports fan since I was very young. Um, I just turned 40. Um, so I born in 83. The first Super Bowl that I vividly remember watching was uh, Niners 55, Broncos 10, Super Bowl 24 in New Orleans. And then I was all in on the 1990 NFL season. And that's really the year that I started like becoming like really obsessive with sports in general. Um, and that year, the Giants won the Super Bowl, beat the Bills uh, in Super Bowl 25 on January 27th, 1991, 20 to 19. Really great day in, in the life of young Nick Costos. So, uh, yeah, really since like 1990. So I'm working on 33 years here of like diehard sports fan, watching all my teams, watching all sports, basically on an obsessive basis. I, uh, you know, uh, in Canada, we don't get force fed football like in America. It's really hockey and baseball. And it didn't take it took me until buying the game of Madden in like 98. So I was 11, 12 years old to really love football. Like I followed the Dolphins because my uncle put me onto them and Dan Marino and all that stuff. But I didn't follow the league and love the sport until later. How long did it take you to get into sports betting? Like what was your first introduction into it? Yeah, so um 2004, my, so I'm almost 20 years here betting on sports. It was my senior year of college. And, you know, like 
I'm like a huge sports fan. So I can naturally, I feel like a lot of my friends, like all kind of like sports also, but those kind of like one of like the, the things that we all bonded over and like, we would all sit around in college, especially like, especially once like we moved off campus and I went to Fordham in the Bronx. Um, we all like sit and like watch the games, have a couple beers, maybe a couple other things and kind of like, well, it's legal here now. So we have a little, whatever, you know, the, the pot, whatever, and watch these games. And, uh, one of our friends had encountered uh, a bookie and that was kind of our first introduction. And it was, there was nothing scientific about it. And it was nothing like we, we had no idea what the best of the number was. We had no idea like what numbers were valuable. It was just, okay. Like what's the nationally televised game that's on tonight. Um, I tell a funny story. I, well, I think it's funny, at least. Um, one of the first bets that we placed, it was Oklahoma played Oklahoma State in the fall of 2004. Oklahoma Oklahoma was unranked. Oklahoma State was ranked. And Oklahoma State was a one-point favorite on the road in Norman. And I re- literally, I remember having the conversation with my friends, like, Oklahoma State's ranked. Like, Oklahoma isn't. And Oklahoma State's only favored by one. Like, let's bet Oklahoma State. Oklahoma ended up winning by 20. Now, obviously, Oklahoma State like could have won the game. Like, that's not a great reason to make a bet. I just think it's funny that think that's one of my first memories. So again, like it had nothing to do with actual handicapping. It was just, what's the game that's on tonight? Do we like like a team? Do we like like a coach or whatever? And then like and then place a bet. So this has been going on now for almost 20 years for me. How long did it take you to become an educated better when you started to figure out a little bit more on how uh, the real betters win and and what they do? Honestly, like a long ass time. Um, I actually think like the, the the correct answer to the question, and I would pick up things kind of like here and there. Um, and actually, I'll give um, a tip of the cap to uh, to Rob, right, um, founder of the Hammer uh, Pizzola. Um, and this is like kind of like will be a circular answer to your question, but I I started like I, I was writing for Bleacher Report in the early two, 2010s, and I kind of like convinced them, and to their credit, like it makes it sound like I like like made them do something they didn't want to do. But at the time it was a little taboo to let me write columns on NFL betting. Right. Cause I was, I had been betting for like almost a decade at that point. And odd shark, um, obviously a company that's based in Canada ended up sponsoring me to go to the super contest. Right. And they entered me and like a bunch of other members of the media. And I met Rob there for the first time and like, and guys like Rob, I would sit and have conversations with and realize like, you know, I don't, I, I used to be like big, like fade the public guy, like big, like, well, like reverse line movements. Because like, listen, it's it's things that obviously like sound like sound really good to someone that doesn't know anything, and it wasn't like I'm trying to like fool people, being like, look at how it just, it sounded like it was right, like it sounded wow, like this, like like maybe like the bookmakers are trying to fool you into doing something, which is obviously nonsense, right? And you learn that as you as you gain more information. But um, as time went on, and I would talk to people like Rob. And I give a tip of the cap to him because obviously like you guys know him and, and your audience knows him really well. Like a tip of the cap to him, other people that I dealt with as well. But um, it wasn't really until I started co-hosting You Better You Bet with um, Joe Ostrowski was one of my original co-hosts who also, he's now a host of BetQL Daily on our network, who I consider to be like a, like a really sharp guy. But really it was like working with Ken, with Ken Barkley, Lockie Lockerson on a daily basis, like doing a four hour show with Ken. And I would like have conversations with them and I would be sitting there thinking at the time, like, huh. Like, I actually, like, like, I think I'm excellent at my actual job, right? Which is to host a show, like, put a show together. But I would realize, like, when it comes to betting on sports, like, I actually, like, kind of don't really understand here. And doing the show with Ken and having guests on, whether it's guys like Rob or guys like, and I, I'll actually leave it at Rob and not mention any others just because, like, I may leave people out and I don't want people to get upset potentially. But we have a lot of great guests that come on the show, a lot of really sharp people. And listening to them 
talk about sports betting has kind of given me like that has been my crash course. And I would hope it's been the same for our listeners and viewers that have been listening to the show for a long time that they we've educated them as well. So it's like, you know, concurrently while we're educating our listeners and viewers and entertaining them, hopefully along the way as well. Like I've been getting a great education to this as well, where I feel like, I feel like I kind of like, I really understand things that we could talk about what, what, like, if I'm like actually a good better or not, I think the answer is probably no, but there are reasons for that that don't have anything to do with like my understanding of like betting markets, if that makes sense. Why? What is it? You, you can't help yourself with uh, the entertainment bets. You know, um, Ken and I were in Vegas for the NCAA tournament this year doing shows for You Better You Bet, and we were out there hanging out with two professional bettors. I won't say their names only because I don't know if they would want us to, but I think it's people that like, it's like people that kind of like in our circle will will know. And we were talking about like, do you think they were asking me like, do you think like if you wanted to, like you could actually like sit and track all your bets and like try and win, like really try and win. And I remember Ken saying, and I wasn't offended in the slightest when he said this, cause he's right. Cause he knows me really well. Cause we talked for four hours every day on the air. We talked before the show, obviously planning the show. And he said like, I know you meaning me. And he goes like, you won't have the patience for it. You value your free time. So this is not to insinuate that if I like really applied myself and like really like dedicated myself to winning money, betting on sports that I could, I'm not insinuating that that's the case. I think I'd have a really good shot of it though. And like, I'm doing better. It's, you know, my, my responsibility is to put on the best product I can to put on the best show that I can. Like, do I want to win my bets? Duh. Like, of course I I don't want to lose money. Like I I've done that a lot in my life. Like I don't want to lose money, but ultimately like I don't get judged doing content. Like, Hey man, like at the end of the season, like, did you win or lose in the NFL? It's like, did, did people like the show? Like, did the audience grow? And the answers to those questions are yes. So I find that most of my energies are, are devoted to that. Like doing, and I do like tons of radio interviews and like all sorts of stuff related to, to content. And then like, I do value my free time. So look, listen, like I try and win when I do place bets. I never like try and lose. I do place bets that I consider to be dumb sometimes. And I'll say that on the show. Like, I just want to have action on a game. So I'll bet on it. And if I lose, I lose. And that's okay. Like it's an entertainment expense almost. Like when you go to see a movie, you pay 20 bucks, you don't get your money back at the end, but you were entertained for a couple hours. So like, I try and view some of the bets I make through that prism. Like, do I think I could win if I really applied myself? probably because I think I'm a pretty smart guy. And when I'm really into something, I'm really into it. But like, I'm not gonna, I don't BS our audience. I won't BS you or your audience. Like my income is not derived from whether or not I win my bet last night on the Yankees Nationals game, which I did. I bet against my team and it was great. Um, It's derived on like, am I a good host? Can I entertain? Like that's the race that I'm running is to make a lot of money doing that. And if I win money betting on sports, great. Hey, I want to talk to you about Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what professional bettors have known for the last 25 years. 25 years of competitive odds. Your trusted sports book. Bet smart. Bet Pinnacle. Must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Not available in the U.S. Now back to the show. You know who loves you? Uh, I had Joey Kanish on and we were doing some word association. And I gave him a bunch of names and I'm like, a lot of these guys were future guests that I was thinking of. And, you know, Kanish did good old Kanish, you know, gave uh, some backhanded compliments, a little bit of a mixed bag. And then I, I said your name and he had nothing negative to say. He said, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but he loves you. He thinks you're a phenomenal broadcaster. 
and that uh, you could be he could see you one day uh, like hosting those NFL pregame panels uh, like on a top level. So Kanish loves you. I enjoy you as a broadcaster as Thank well. You. So um, when I was young, I wanted to be a lawyer. That was my dream job. I'd, I, I'd watch movies and um, TV shows about um, court cases and trials, and I found it fascinating. And I like to debate. And then my uncle gave me the harsh reality. He goes, listen, they might make it look sexy, but a lot of being a lawyer is like minutia and like getting into the weeds of the paperwork and, and laws and precedents. It's not exactly what it looks like. So I didn't want to do media initially. Is media what you wanted to do when you were younger or did you discover that later in life? No, um, um, you know, like my um, I actually I have the picture saved on my phone. Um, I had forgotten about this, but my mom had it and she like found it when she was moving. Um, when I was in seventh grade, I did like a I wrote like this, whatever this thing. It was like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it was basically like, I want to be a broadcaster. Um, I think at that point it was like pretty evident even then to like 12 year old Nick that like, hey, like I'm you know, I'm like five foot seven. I'm probably not going to be a pro athlete. Um, and I really like sports and you know, like I, it's not at the time, like, I guess like I kind of knew, like I was like a, like a pretty, I don't want to use the word gifted cause I didn't think like this at the time, but it was like pretty obvious that I, like my, the way I speak was kind of like different from everybody else that like I grew up with. And there was a part of me that was like self-conscious about that when I was younger. Like I'm different, you know, I feel like we all kind of empathize with things like that. Right. When you grow up, you think about stuff like that when you were a kid. So, um, yeah. And then when I, when I went to Fordham and I, I hate to always kind of like use to say this, but it's the truth. It was right after nine 11. Um, it was my friend, my first semester of my freshman year in 2001. It was literally like the week or two weeks after nine 11, we had the career fair at Fordham. And when I went to Fordham, I, I didn't even know that they had this. It was pretty serendipitous. Um, the 90.7 WFUV, a 50,000 watt radio station and students there hosted shows and covered the teams in the area. And it was just like, yeah, like this is like this. I, it was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is it for me. I have an accounting degree. Cause I was like, I don't need a journalism degree if I'm going to do this, like actually like get this experience. I have an accounting degree, which like laughs at me. It's pretty funny. Um, I'd got like break class in case of emergency. Hopefully that'll never have to happen. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like always, always knew that this was kind of like what I wanted to do. Yeah. I ended up going back to school as a mature student, uh, 24, 25 years old and went through Cumber Radio College. We had our own radio station, same deal. I wanted to get on air and then I got the harsh news that, Hey, you're probably going to have to not start in Toronto. You're probably gonna have to start in a smaller market. But if you were willing to be a producer to get your foot in the door, uh, you probably could get a job in a big market. So I said, I, I'm not living, I live in Toronto, which is the city in the entire country. It's not like in the U.S. there's like 10, 11 uh, tentpole cities in, in your country. Toronto is the all-encompassing, it's, it's, it's the grand stage. So I said, okay, I will just start off as a producer. Um, how long, how did you get in the business? Did you start off as a producer? And how long did you do that for? Yeah, I'd say it's almost like exactly the same kind of as, as what you just detailed. I feel like it's probably the same for a lot of people also. Um, so I worked at the radio station at Fordham from uh, basically my entire college career. I was the assistant sports manager my junior year, the sports manager my senior year. I literally, um, I won a New York State Broadcasting Award. We beat like all the big stations in New York for our live coverage of the 2004 NFL Draft when the Giants traded uh, for Eli Manning, um, which was which was really great. And I, I won another broadcasting award for a feature I did 
the um, the Yankees and the Mets held press conferences on the same day when the Yankees had signed Randy Johnson following their collapse against the Red Sox in 2004. And the Mets um, introduced Carlos Beltran on the same day. And I covered both press conferences on the same day. Um, so these are just like funny, like the things you remember, right? And my, my junior year, I interned at WFAN, which is probably like the most famous sports radio station of all time. Um, and my senior year, I interned. It was the first year of, this is pre-Sirius XM merger, Sirius NFL Radio in 2004. So that's the first year that NFL Radio existed. And when I graduated college, um, I actually thought I might work in a baseball front office. I was the assistant general manager of a minor league baseball team summer 2005. I had like read Moneyball like 15 times and I was super into sabermetrics. Um, But I decided to do media instead. And I literally had kind of the same experience that you did, right? Like I was offered jobs in Buffalo and Green Bay. And I was basically like, well, like, thank you. But also like, I was like dating a girl at the time. My whole family's here. I didn't feel comfortable moving. Um, So I ended up getting a job at Sirius where I had interned and I wasn't even a producer at the time. Um, I was running games and I'll try and like summarize this as quickly as possible. So if you ever listened on satellite radio and they're running like a local broadcast of a, of a basketball game or a football game or whatever, you literally like you sit there, you listen to the game. And when the local feed goes to commercial, you hit a button to fade down the audio and then you play national serious commercials. So while you're listening nationally, you don't get to hear like the, like, uh, like the, like the New Jersey Toyota dealership, like you're hearing serious spots. Right. So, so that's how I started. And I built my way up working in the newsroom and cutting tape, a board up, and eventually worked my way as, as a producer. So I actually feel like that experience doing all those things behind the scenes was like really invaluable to kind of like shaping me into the talent that I am today, like talking on the air in front of a microphone in front of a camera. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that answered your question. No, it does. And it, like that, I did everything. I remember when we had like live breaking coverage of, we had a terrorist attack in Canada. I worked in news. I, I didn't go the sports route. Um, even though that's what I initially went to school for, there was an opportunity in news. It was a bigger station than our sports station. So I was cutting up like 13 hours worth of audio. And they're like, you need to give us our best 25 minutes to submit so we can win an award. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about from that experience. I eventually grew as a producer, um, ended up producing the biggest show on the station, the afternoon drive show. And then I hit a point in my career where I was like, you know what? I'm stagnant here. Uh, I on air is not something that I want at this moment. And I want to be the, uh, I want to be the programming director, but my boss doesn't want to go anywhere. So I kind of felt like, okay, I'm at an impasse here. You make the transition from producer to on air. Uh, when did you do that? Like, how long ago was that? Um, well, I, I kind of got like the what I realized is I don't have um, the organizational skills, I think, to be candid. Um, to be, I mean, look, I think I know content like better than like almost anybody, yeah. but like organizationally, like I'm not great with that kind of stuff. So it was like, should I really be like managing like a whole like team of people? Like, probably not. Um, and once I kind of came to that kind of realization, like, I, I don't think I'll be great at these jobs. And I don't see myself doing that, like being like the program director. Like I said, like, I know content. I just like the administrative part of that. Like, I never want to do stuff like that ever. Um, and once I realized that, I would think, okay, like, I was it's like really good. I felt like when I was on the air in college and at the time, like I can look back on it now and be like, I actually really wasn't that good, but I, I think I'm like pretty talented, candid. Like I think a lot of on air people think that, but I, I, I think that I'm pretty talented. 
And there were some hosts that I would work with and I would listen to the shows and be like, I'm definitely better than this person. And it's like, it's actually my, or maybe not at this moment I'm better, but my upside is like through the roof basically. And I felt that way and I still feel that way. I feel like a lot of other people do do, which is great. Now, now it's really awesome. Um, so at the time, Syria, I, I feel like I was a really good producer. And look, this is my viewpoint and people there may feel differently. And honestly, it's like, I have nothing but great experiences and great things to say about everyone I dealt with there. But like, I think my, my take on it is like, maybe they were a little reticent to give me an opportunity because I was a good producer and I produced one of the most important shows. I was Adam Shine's executive producer. And I think the world of Adam, uh, Adam's an absolute stud on the air. So whether it was that or whether it was, I actually wasn't as good as I thought I was it really as immaterial. It doesn't matter. I was like, I want to try and be on the air. Like, I don't want to produce anymore. I felt like I had kind of like summited Kilimanjaro. Like I produced for Adam for five years. Yeah. Like the show was awesome. There's, not, where do I, there's where, no, no upward trajectory. Like, where do I go from here? Like, yeah. I felt like I produced the best sports radio show in the country like where do i go from here like where does this go like what do i do now yeah. and uh i said oh i want a new challenge for myself so i found an agent that like i met with him and he said to me i think you're craig carton i was like okay that's pretty awesome uh let's work together and uh i ended up leaving new york and i moved to fort lauderdale to work for cbssports.com um they had just launched a gambling vertical which is now Sportsline, um and i kind of like was going to front that because i had worked for years for Bleacher Report kind of doing sports betting. Uh, so I feel like I was big time ahead of the curve with sports betting content, which has like served me well. I feel like I'm like grandfathered into this whole thing. One of not many people that I feel like have recognized for doing this for a long time. And from there, um, I've been a full-time talent now for eight years since, yeah, eight years in October since 2015. How long uh, have you been doing the You Better, You Bet gig? So we started um, about four years ago exactly. August 2019, like a couple of weeks before football season started. So about four, like four calendar years. Okay. You, you said, uh, you alluded to the fact that sometimes you learn from your guests and, and it's, it's improved yourself as a sports better. My question is how often, cause a lot of your guests will come on and give you some picks uh, and share with the audience. How often does a guest give you something so good? The next commercial break, you're firing up your sports book and firing off a couple bets that they just recommended. Yeah. Well, um, during the commercial break, never. Um, because I do it while they're on the air all the time. <laughs> the, the answer to your question is all, all the time. Ken speaking to them, you're, you're firing it up. Eh? I, and I, I say it on the show. I'm like, Ken, can you ask the next question so I can like make this bet? Like we're very like honest and transparent on the show about yeah, how this yeah. goes. And like, since, and like, I love Kanish and I appreciate that Kanish loves me also. Uh, I'll use it as an example. Like there are times when I'll look in my account and I'll see like, for example, I have Texas A&M minus 37 and a half. In, in their first college football game. And I looked at that and I said, can we curse on the show or no? Can I curse? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, when the, when the fuck, did, when the fuck did I place this bet? And then I, oh, Kanish came on the show and gave it out. And I literally bet it while he was on the air, like while he was on, like there are times that, and like, again, like I'll mention Rob just because everyone has the association with Rob. Rob will come on the show and like on a Thursday and he'll give like, uh, and I think he's going to join us on Wednesdays this year, but like last year we came on Thursdays and he would give an angle like on like a total that like Ken or I hadn't considered. And I'd just be like, well, that sounds really good. I'm going to bet this right now. And I'll bet it. So like the answer to your question is actually like all the time. Like that happens all the time. Hey, the easiest way to improve as a sports better is use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like Betstamp. Betstamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, and player props. Save time and money by checking Betstamp before you bet. Download the app today. 
If you're looking to sign up for a new sportsbook account, please check out the offers available at betstamp.app forward slash circles off or hit the link in the description. If you sign up through this page, it helps support the show. Now back to the rest of the episode. Oh, yeah. I, I want to paint a picture for you, okay? Um, 1994, the uh, Toronto launches the Fan 590, brand new sports station, going to be the premier talk radio sports station in the country. But in 94, we had a baseball strike, uh, MLB, uh, NHL lockout. and Yeah, we would have had Yankees Expos in the, in the World Series that year. It was unfortunate. <laughs> And the Raptors don't exist. So basketball's not a blooming thing in Canada yet. And I mentioned that football's, uh, again, it's not adopted right away when you're young. So this is a brand new sports station launching and trying to make content when there isn't much content to make. And I say this because pandemic hits in 2020 and we've got a couple months where there's nothing to bet on unless unless you're looking at like uh, table tennis and Russian uh, ping pong at 3 a.m., what did you guys do during the pandemic? Um, well, actually, um, it's we. I got furloughed for a while um, because at the time, you know, it, I'll try to keep this as short as possible. It's kind of like a crazy situation, and like it, it actually everything turned out like awesome. But there was it was really touch and go for a while. So you have to consider also like the timing of the show. So we start in August 2019. And we're gearing up for the NCAA tournament. And like we had, like the show was not doing the numbers that it does now, obviously, because we had just started. But like it was already kind of recognized by the company that like we we had done well. Like the show had done well enough that like we were gaining momentum and that they were behind us. So pandemic happens, obviously, before like the big the first Big East tournament game, St. John's, I forget who they were playing. Maybe it was the, the whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and the show ends up getting like put on leave, right? And I get furloughed. And for people that don't know what furlough means, it means like you're not going to get paid for a while while we kind of figure out what's going on. Um, and it was, I ended up actually hosting a couple, like, cause the NFL draft happened and they let, I hosted like an NFL draft show basically with Ross Tucker, who I've known for a really long time. Um, but there was like, I was off for like six weeks without getting paid. And I'm not trying to like, this is not like a woe is me. A lot of people had it a lot worse than I did. Um, it actually was like a really relaxing time besides for like the existential dread, like is my career over, like our sports over coming back is the world going to end. Um, yeah. But like, it was actually like a really relaxing time. Um, and then as things started to come back, you know, we actually ended up doing, it's like a soccer and golf podcast for a while. Like that's what it was. And we weren't live. We would just do a podcast. Like, I don't, I don't even remember if it was five days a week or just like three, I sincerely don't remember. Um, and then once like the sports started coming back, we started ramping back up and doing and doing live shows. And I'll give my company a ton of credit. Um, they signed me to a deal then that they kind of like bet on me and like they won the bet, like I won the bet for them, but like I give them credit, like they made the bet, they didn't have to do it. And they kind of like saw like where all of this was going and the show kind of like took off from there, which is awesome. And it's a credit to like to Ken, my co-host, obviously, who I think the world of and our behind the scenes crew and me selfishly, of course, also, but, um, but yeah, like I didn't work for a while. And then we did like soccer and golf. It was like a, literally a soccer and golf podcast for like probably six weeks. Nick, I used to make fun of uh, buddies that watch NASCAR. And I used to say, I don't care to watch four hours of left-hand turns. That was always my shot that I would take at them. And after pandemic NASCAR was actually one of the first sports back. 
uh, along with UFC and golf. And let me tell you, I really got into NASCAR because I needed something to watch just from an entertainment perspective. Are you still capable of watching sports if you don't have money on it or if you're not a fan? Because I find sports betting can change how people enjoy sports and their fandom of the actual game itself. Yeah, I can. Um, it's not the same as it used to be. Um, we do this on the show sometimes. Uh, and I don't know if it's good or bad. I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, and it's not just sports betting. It's just like working in this industry. And I feel like unless like you work in the industry, maybe you can't. Not that it's like a terrible, like a like a, a hard concept to grasp. But like when I worked for NFL radio, for instance, right? And I grew up diehard fan of all my teams, but specifically of the New York football giants. We're always, they've always been my favorite team. But then like you work for NFL radio, like I did for a decade. And what you learn is, hey, like the Philadelphia Eagles public relations staff is like the best in the league. And when it comes down to it, like they help me all the time. So when the Eagles are good, it makes my life easier. And like, I like all these people or like different PR staffs. Like, and like you find yourself rooting for like for that as opposed to your team potentially. Right. So that kind of eroded my fandom to a degree and sports betting is like annihilated my fandom where like, I bet, I bet against the Yankees last night. I, I do bet against the giants. I don't like to, but like I do, if I feel like it's like a good bet to make. Um, so sports betting definitely kind of like, kind of like crush. What was the original question? I got like sidetracked there talking about sports. You still enjoy watching sports. Yeah. So yeah, like, um, yes, but football because I, even if I don't bet on a game, a football game, I play so much fantasy football and I do so many prop bets and I play DFS that every single play of every single game matters to me in some way, shape, or form. So even if I don't have a bet on a game like football, I've always got something going on. But like, can I sit and watch a basketball game and enjoy it? Like, yeah. Can I sit and watch a soccer game and enjoy it if I don't have money on it? Definitely. But I think the thing that's also different, and I think people can kind of commiserate with this because it's the human condition. Like, I just got married, right? And as I've gotten older, you know, like I used to like just like do nothing but like sit on like a Saturday could be a beautiful day out, but I'm going to sit on my ass and I'm going to watch sports because I love sports. Like now, like I want to go outside and enjoy myself and like sit in the sun and like have a drink and sit with my wife or sit with my friends and really just enjoy my time. So it's just like, it's just different now as I've gotten older. So like, can I sit and watch a game if I don't have money on it? Yes. Like I can. Do I want to? Maybe not. But yeah, I think I still can. I imagine it changes things on like Christmas now where it's like sports overload. It, before the married life, you're probably like, oh, I'm setting in for 12 hours of sports and just, and now it's like, no, no, I've got a wife and we got to do some family things. And well, I'll, I'll give you an example and I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, I think people will, will, will appreciate this. And I say this on the show. So it's not like I'm like breaking news here that I don't talk about on the show. You know, when a college football, um, I, I will do some degree of handicapping during the week. I do, I place bets, but largely the bets that I place are like, Ken likes this. Like Kanish will come on and give bets. Like I'll bet them other guests we have on will give college football bets. I think like in 2019, um, my my now wife and I started dating early in 2019. And the first year, and also in 2020, because we moved in together in 2020 prior to football season. And I would like sit, like, get ready to watch college football on a Saturday. And she'd say like, you know, like you work six days a week now. And I'm going to give you Sundays basically. Because like the NFL is the NFL. And it's, my, it's also like my favorite thing. But she's like, I, 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 I don't watch college football on Saturdays. Like I can't, 
I work during football season. I work from Monday through Friday and I work all day Sunday. And on Monday night, I watch Monday night football on Thursday night. I watch Thursday night football. I watch every single NFL game. I have to have some time for my wife. I have to have some time for me and for my sanity. I literally punt college football. Like I don't want, I can't, like I actually like, I can't like the thought of it, like makes me want to kill myself to be like, I, I have to sit on Saturday and watch fucking you know, USC, Washington state. Like I can't do it. I just can't. And, uh, that's something that I've, as I've gotten older, I feel like that's a sign of maturity, I think. Um, but that's why like Ken, Ken's a stud with college football and we have great guests that come on and do it. So I could be like, and I can entertain and I can set people up, but like, I, I don't lie to the audience. Like I'm not sitting, I, I, I actually, and I hope people can appreciate the real life aspect of this. And I hope that makes sense to people. For sure. For sure. You, uh, admire your big blue giants. I also have affinity for them. I love the Mannings. They are my favorite football family of all time. I love Eli. I think he's an undisputed first ballot Hall of Famer. I hate the stick that he gets because um, I believe that he showed in two different seasons when he wanted to gear up, he could become the most clutch quarterback and lead all kinds of fourth quarter drives when they weren't the favorite team. I want to do some rapid fire questions with you. I didn't send these to you in advance, um, but because I, I wanted your honest reaction in the moment. Um, let's start with the first one. Which athlete that wasn't on your team were you happy to see them finally get a ring? Ooh, um, I guess like the first one that comes to I was I was really happy when uh, when the Mavericks beat the Heat in 2011 and Dirk got his ring. That's that's probably the first one that comes to mind. Um, also, like I I hated the 49ers growing up because they were rivals with the giants. But, um, I have family in San Francisco and like, they are, they are huge Niners fans when the Niners beat the chargers and like Steve young got his ring. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Those are like two that I think those are, those are probably the two that, that come first, like first to mind for me. For me, it was Peyton just finally getting, uh, you know, the pressure off his back and all those years of failure. My next question is what current athlete today doesn't have a ring that you desperate, or it could be a coach that you desperately want to see win one. Oh man. That I desperately want to see win one. Uh, I think it would be cool if Buffalo won. Um, and like, and like, I, I don't think they're going to win this year. So it's not like, I'm like, I want it for my wallet or anything, but, uh, such a great fan base. Um, I think Allen's awesome. I think McDermott's awesome. I think it would be cool if I'd like to see the Bills win a Super Bowl. I'd like to see Kyle Shanahan win one. I love him. I think he's, uh, outside of Andy Reid, maybe the most brilliant offensive mind we've ever seen as far as play designing and um, mentoring the, all the people that have came underneath them. And I'm dying to see him finally win a ring, just to, especially because he's been to a, a Super Bowl as a head coach and an offensive coordinator and they fell short. What's your most controversial sports opinion that you're willing to die on a hill for? Um, I don't know. Like, do I, do I even have one kind of, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I have like a controversial one. Um, I don't know. I, I guess like Eli's the first, you agree with my Eli take. Is that, yeah. is that even controversial? Me and you will be the two guys on the hill. Uh, like, 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 is that even like a controversial take or, or no? Uh, you know what? I think for all people outside of New York, it is controversial. But uh, unless you're an Eli and Manning fanboy uh, or in New York, I think uh, we all agree about Eli's greatness. Um, I think uh, th 
I don't know if this is controversial, but it's one I always think about. I think that the that the 2009 Vikings might be are kind of like forgotten in history because they didn't even make the Super Bowl. That's the far Vikings that lost to the Saints in the in the title game. Adrian Peterson fumbled like three times in the game. Far through the pick to Tracy Porter in overtime. I think like I think like that's like the best team, one of the best teams ever. I think they would have throttled the Colts in the Super Bowl throttled Peyton and the Colts. And I think they were better than New Orleans. Um, that's always like the big like miss that I think of in sports is that Vikings team not winning. And there's a fun betting application of this. I watched that game with all my friends, the 2009 NFC title game. The Saints were three and a half point favorites. All my friends bet the Saints, laid it with three and a half with the Saints. I bet the Vikings money line. The Saints won by three. We all lost. <laughs> that sounds so gross, but that's what happens. All right. Um... A celebrity you're pretty confident that if you had a boxing match with, you could beat? I don't know, man. I'm not really... I'm in pretty good shape these days, but I'm not really big. I, don't, I feel like I'd knock out Justin Bieber. I feel like we're like the same height. I feel like I'd knock his ass out. All I, right. like his, I like his music, though. What would you rather be? A Hall of Fame player that never wins a ring, let's say Dan Marino, or a non-Hall of Famer who won the Super Bowl, let's say Trent Dilfer? Uh, Marino. I would... uh. I, so like, you know, a lot of people that do kind of like what we do for a living, this is not a criticism at all. Just like people are different. And I, I used to be like this. Um, I think a lot of people like really like the spotlight and the limelight and they want to be seen and they want to be like, like man or woman about town. And like, again, I'm not criticizing. It's not a, just people are different. And I used to be like that a little bit. Um, the only thing I really care about now, and like, I want to put on a good product and I do like to perform. So I do like that. If like, and this is not to denigrate like fast food, but like if McDonald's or Burger King offered me more money than I'm making right now to work less, I would do it. So okay. like, so like, like, like Marino made a lot more money than Trent Dilfer yeah. and he's in yeah. the hall of fame. I'd rather be a Marino. And he still makes money. After and he still makes money now. Correct. You know, uh, Nick, it's the the old saying, find me a broadcaster without an ego and I'll find you a, an unsuccessful broadcaster, right? Every Everyone has a little bit in them and you have to because you are a personality. What's the athlete you wish you got to see live? Oh, man, that's a really good question. The athlete I wish I got to see live. I feel like I would have loved like Daryl LaMonica with the Raiders back in the day, the Mad Bomber, when like the AFL started to proliferate and like, or like the Don Coryell Chargers, when like you first got like the aerial attack in the NFL, I feel like would have been really fun. I also like always like, I, I love NFL history. Um, and like Rob and I have done like trivia contests and so like, I love all this stuff. Um, I love like the Madden Raiders teams from the seventies. I would wish I could have seen like the Raiders battle, like the Steelers and like the Dolphins in the seventies, I feel like would have been an absolute blast. Also like I'm, I think I gave you like a really terrible, like controversial sports opinion. And I'm trying to like think of one right now. So I think I gave that was like a really lame answer. I gave you. <laughs> no worries. I haven't given mine because it's coming up in a couple of questions. Uh, the athlete I wish I could have seen live was Muhammad Ali. I love boxing. Um, and I think nothing, and, and this goes for all sports, right? Uh, NFL to me is the king overall. Everything, presentation, Super Bowl, you name it. There's nothing bigger than big boxing. When you get the fight of the year or the fight of the decade, there, there's an electricity that you cannot describe. Uh, and I love it. I'm a huge fan of boxing. Uh, dinner with any three people in the history of the earth. Um, I don't know. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, I would too. 
I think that I think I'd probably just be good with. I could probably just be good with Jesus. I think probably. I don't. I don't know. I don't really have. I don't really have a great answer. My my first question to Jesus would be, why did you bless Tom Brady with everything in life? Like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. awesome. Blessings for ten people over. All right, my last one is Peyton. I don't really like think of like I. I'm sorry that I'm not giving you a great answer there. I don't know if I like think of things in those terms, kind of. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um. Well, do you ever get starstruck? Because, um, when you get into media, you learn pretty fast that you see a lot of celebrities and everything, and you learn. Uh, at least some people do, and myself, I don't get starstruck anymore. I think there are one or two people that would get me starstruck in person. But um, do you still get, do you get starstruck? So when I worked at Sirius XM, um, one of the cool things about it was like, you know, I get celebrities would be there every day and they would do like the car wash, right? They do a ton of different interviews, promoting their movie, TV show, musicians promoting their album or whatever. So it would be like literally nothing. And this is not said braggadociously. It's just like, and I was a kind of like a low level employee there. It's not like I was like super important. Like you'd go to like, go to like the men's room to like, to take a piss or whatever. And there's like John Travolta's next to you. Okay, like cool. Okay, take the elevator downstairs. Kim Kardashian's there with like her entourage. Like no big deal. It was kind of like no big deal. Um, so like a, um, when my wife and I got back from our honeymoon, um, couple, um, couple of her cousins live like have a Hamptons house, right? In like really affluent area of like Long Island, New York. And like we were there for the weekends and Eli Manning, it's funny that you brought him up. Eli's just there like shopping at one of the stores. I think we were in East Hampton and Gwyneth Paltrow was in the next store that we went to and everyone's like, oh my God. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Um, so look, like if I were like, not like regular dude implying that I'm like not a regular dude because I am, but if I worked in a different profession and I was never around famous people, like I'd probably be like, oh my, oh my, Eli, oh my, I've met Eli before, I've interviewed him, so whatever. So no, I don't get starstruck, but that's more a function of me like being around a lot of celebrities in the past. I, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't move the needle for me. It's just like you realize when you deal with famous people, whether it's athletes or otherwise, they're just like regular people. They're just like us. They just happen to like do this. Yeah. Whatever they um, do. Caleb Presley, the guy that does Sunday mornings on Barstool, described Hasbullah as his white whale, the one interview that he wanted more than anybody else. Who's your white whale? What's the one interview that you have not done that you are dying to do? Uh, interviews don't really like do it for like I, I like interviewing, but like it's not like my favorite thing. Like I don't think I I don't know that anyone would ever say like, hey, like let's have let's give Nick Costos an interview podcast. I don't really know if I think I'm more of a performer than like a question asker. Uh, I don't know. I think like probably like honestly, like I'd love to interview like Kyle Shanahan and ask and just it's literally just talk about like football, Bill about Bill Belichick, like I, Parcells, but probably Bill Parcells. Honestly, so those are your other dinner guests. Uh- Next to Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say like maybe we do like maybe we do like Jesus, maybe we do like Parcells, who's alive, obviously still. I think Parcells would be really awesome. And then maybe like uh how about but we'd have to have someone to translate for him. Maybe uh Shiguru Miyamoto, who invented basically Mario and Zelda and all the Nintendo characters. I think that would be awesome too. That that you know, I don't think if you asked everybody on the face of this earth, I don't think anybody would repeat those three as their options. Uh, last one, rapid fire. Peyton Manning was better than Tom Brady, period. Sorry, that was a statement. That is my most controversial hill that I'm willing to die on. That at it's their, not that controversial. No, I disagree, not. but it's not that controversial. At, at their peaks, Peyton Manning was better. I mean, he has five mvps and tom has three so on five separate occasions he was the best player in the in the league if not more than that tom brady's greatness came 
from everything he did after 38 years old. He was still playing at a level. I mean, well, that's that's an asinine statement. It's actually just like factually incorrect. Which, which? That all Brady's like all of it came after he was 38. No, no, I don't. I, I mean, he he ended the argument post 38, like when he was still playing at a level at a level that you couldn't comprehend at 41. He's still playing at MVP level. What I mean at their actual peaks, like Peyton Manning still has the record for the most passing touchdowns in a season and passing yards in a season. He took four different head coaches to a Super Bowl. Nobody's ever done that. He was the first quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl with two separate teams. Like there, there's a ton of accolades from an individual perspective. That, who, would you, who would you rather have at the end of a game, Eli or Peyton Manning? Uh, Eli or Peyton Manning? Yeah. Peyton, but just because I believe in long-term greatness, that being said, I believe Peyton has the Kyle Shanahan thing where they're so brilliant that sometimes they get a little bit too uh, smart or too good for themselves on the final drive when it matters. Whereas you have to be a little bit more robotic and understand it's just, you just continue to do what puts you in that position. See my, my opinion. And I, I appreciate you saying it and it's something that a lot of people are passionate about. So I'm not like denigrating it. I like, it's like the LeBron Jordan debate. Like, it's not ins an insult to Peyton Manning to say like he's not as good as Tom Brady. And it's not an insult to LeBron James to say he's not as good as Michael Jordan. So like I, I take Brady over Peyton and I don't think it's like particularly close. And that's and it's not an insult. Peyton's probably the second best quarterback I've ever seen play, but Brady's the best. And and like I, I don't care. I'm not a Boston guy. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm a Giants fan. I'm just like, let's call it like you see it. Yeah, you know what? The parallels are incredible too, right? Like Peyton and LeBron were the, were the system. They were the head coach. Anywhere they went, success was going to follow. Uh, not that, um, um, but Brady and Jordan got to live under a, a, another great coach for a lot of their careers in a system and they were taught all the right things. Nick, my revenge tour in football is I tell everybody that Patrick Mahomes is everything you guys pretended Tom Brady was for so long. Because he has the Peyton Manning. Why don't you like? But like, this is like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan, so there's part yeah. Of so you're so you should just say like you what, should be like my name is George and I'm a hater, and that's okay. You can no, be a hater, but you should say that because no, you are. You know, here here was the problem, right? Like Peyton Manning. No, 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 no. Just no, just just I, listen. I, I, listen. Hold, hold hold on, hold on. I am. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. I think you'll feel a lot better if you just say my name is George, and I'm a hater. It's okay because you are. Yes. You should just say it out loud. Yeah, just like, I, I, get, get the monkey off. I know. I know where I am. I, I hate Tom Brady. Uh, let's... Oh, and I got a controversial sports take for you. All right. Go. Do it now. Or... Okay. Yeah, you're you ready right for now. it? Yeah. I, I actually I think that Steve Young is the best quarterback of his generation. I think he's better than Aikman. I think he's better than Favre. I think there's a case that like like Young is like one of like the three or four best quarterbacks ever. I think like he's on the Peyton Manning like Tom Brady tier. And, and like, and he's definitely better than Montana and Montana was great. And it's not an insult to Joe Montana, but actually watching. And like, he only had the one Super Bowl, So people will point to that. And they lost to the Cowboys a couple of times they, um, in, in championship games. They only got, they only won the one. I, I think young was definitely better than Favre. He's definitely better than Aikman. And I think he's like on that tier with like Brady and Manning. And I know it's weird to say that an actual, like an actual first ballot hall of fame quarterback is underrated. I actually think Steve Young is way underrated for like act how great he actually was. I love it. You get enough Greeks in a room for long enough and the hot takes will eventually start flying. Um, let's get out of the rapid fire. Just a few more questions. NFL's coming up. You love it. I love it. Sunday is my like 
church service, everything about it, football season. What's one team that you think will surprise people this year um, that the market's completely wrong on, either in a good or a bad way? Yeah, um, you know, I think a lot of people kind of like agree on this, doing like the sports betting content space. Um, I will say that Ken and I were doing this in like February and March. Not that we are the originators or that people are copying us, just that like we had this a while ago because I feel like some people may hear this and be like, oh, well, everyone's saying this now. I felt like this for a long time. Green Bay. Um, and the, the question that we've been asking this whole offseason is like, what if Jordan loves good? And like, and you acknowledge there's a downside also. Like if Jordan Love is bad, let's say he's really bad. Like they could win like four games this year. They could be brutal. But if he's good, and I kind of felt like even before the couple of preseason games, which he's played very well in, um, like the Eagle game last year when he came in on, on Sunday Night Football against Philly and like played really well in a tough spot on the road in primetime, right? I was kind of like, okay, like I, I kind of think this guy's good. Um, I think the coach is awesome. And I know people say, oh, well, yeah, Rodgers. Yeah, he also like wins a million games. Like I don't think you can like win that many games and like be a bad coach, even if you have like really good players. Just just my opinion. So like if love is good, and I think he is, like you tell me this team's not going eight and nine, they can't go nine and eight. I, and I'll even make the case in a weak division, in a weak conference, what? Like their ceiling is to win, go like 12 and five with that roster if love is good. So again, like the whole thing and I'll never come on the show and be like this show or my show or any show and say, this is a lock. I gu- I guarantee you, of course the bet could lose. He can be bad and they could be terrible, right? So, but this is kind of how I want to play Wintos. This is kind of one of the things that I've learned from our guests. It's not like I sat at this epiphany and be like, oh, wow, this is how I should do it. It's from listening to really smart people. Like betting win totals, like there are teams that are very likely to finish either like on their win total or like one or one more or one less, right? I think playing into volatility with win totals where like Green Bay, they could win four, they could win 13. Like that's a win total that I'd want to play over would be the Packers. So, or, or, and there are teams that you could do the opposite with as well, obviously. Green Bay would be the team. And like, I very much look forward to them beating the Bears in week one. It's funny. uh, I was talking with Hitman on a podcast last week and I said, give us a, like, what's the best value on the board right now? And I said, don't repeat the Packers for the 87th time because that's what everybody's saying. And here's the thing. I was screaming about it in March and April as well. Like, I've been, like, early goer on Green Bay. I, I didn't realize you guys were even before me. And, I've, and and it's like everybody now is adopting, but I'm like, no, no, no. I was asking a lot of those same questions a lot earlier. I'm like, uh, there's this isn't a disaster situation. People also forget, Matt LaFleur uh, walked in and like rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers' career because for a couple years, he looked like he was floundering. He was or, stale under McCarthy. He was stale, yeah. right? There was no more upward trajectory. And like he brings him, he wins two MVPs under Matt LaFleur. Like he put some new life into him. All right. Um, one last question, Nick. And, and, and also just like on the Packers thing, it's not like that we all have to be right. It's just that like we have identified like a potential, like the market is wrong here on this. And there's like a, an actual tangible thing that you can point to. And look, you could say this about Washington with Howell. You could say this about Atlanta with Desmond Ritter. Like if you believe in these quarterbacks, like, and they're going to be good, they're going over these win totals. I've just identified grit because I feel the best about love of the three. That's why I've identified. And also the coach has the pedigree. Not that Rivera doesn't, but, and I like the Packers roster better than Washington's. Yeah, I said the same about Kenny Pickett as well. I, I tweeted out, it was like, it's not just 
betting or guessing on the quarterback's talent. It's situational, right coaching staff, good pieces. Jordan Love's been in this offense for, for three years. He's been learning the language. It's not all brand new culture shock for him. We're, like, I remember Rivers. Oh, I got another controversial take for you. All right, keep going. I said this last year on You Better You Bet, and I'll hold to it. Kenny Pickett, young Eli Manning. I love it. Because he's a he's, he he doesn't like consistently do it, but man, he's a gamer when it matters. He's got shit the bed for fifty five yeah. minutes, and then in the final five minutes of the game, when you need a touch, like, like the magic, like, yeah, like you're like you're down by four with a minute fifty to play and two timeouts. He's gonna go down the field and score a touchdown and win the game. I love it. Okay, Nick, uh, I know my long term aspirations and goals in media. What are yours? Um, I want to get paid the most amount of money to do the least amount of work. <laughs> I love that. No, you don't have a dream media job that you have, like uh, money aside. Is there, um, a dream media situation that you want to do? Like, is it hosting a Sunday morning NFL countdown show? Um, like for ESPN or one of the big networks, I don't want to tick off your current employers or anything like that, but do you have, is there ever a job that you thought you want to be that person? Yeah. Like I, I, I love you better, you bet. Like, we basically have creative freedom to do whatever we want. Like, Ken and I literally, like, we plan the show. Like, it's our, like, we do the content for the show. No one steps in and tells us what to do. Um, and it's really great. Um, yeah, like, I, I, when I was at CBS, I hosted um, Fantasy Football Today on Sunday mornings with uh, Jamie Eisenberg and Pete Prisco and Will Brinson and Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, and some of the other guys there. And it was kind of at the time, it was like a hybrid more slanted towards fantasy, but like a fantasy betting show. So like when you ask, like, like, listen, if like, like Fox came to me and like, Hey, we want you to host the NFL today and we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. I'd be like, yeah, I'll, of course. But my, my, I guess the cool thing would be, and I, I do this now on Sunday mornings. This is what our show actually is just be on television. Right. I, I think like that, like television and a lot of people will agree with this is missing the boat big time where there should be a dedicated NFL pregame show that is betting, fantasy, et cetera. Um, and it's obvious, right? It's not even like, wow, I can't believe Nick said that. He's so right. Like, who wouldn't think that? Oh, oh I'll give you one. If there were ever, I, I I try not to say things like this. I try and like, things are subjective, right? There are people that don't like sushi. People, some people don't like pizza. Not everyone needs to think that I'm that I'm really good. People can listen to me and not like it. That's fine. That's like that with anybody. Um, if there were ever an NFL betting red zone channel, I mean this sincerely. It doesn't mean that like I would have to get hired for it. There is no one on this planet that would be better at that job than me. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. So I guess like that would be like if there were NFL betting red zone, whereas NFL red zone, but for bets sides and totals tracking all of this. So like a, a real innocuous game where like the game is decided, but there's total drama or that a team's trying to backdoor at the end and it has no impact on the actual result of the game. We would cover it. Like it was game seven of the world series. Like that would be, I, I think I would, I am like, I think I'm, I may have been put on this earth to do that. Nick, I, I told captain Jack, I think the future of gambling media is a dedicated channel, 24 hour coverage. Obviously the overnights will be reruns of programs, but like that's one of the ideas during the games, active odd screens telling you what's going on. Oh, that's an injury. How, 
how's the lines going to shift i even think there's an hour program where you know you watch cnbc and a guy comes on and tells you these three stocks i want to buy what player stocks are you buying which which ones are uh, teams are undervalued by market right now which ones are you selling right now i think um of media in that uh sense the job that i would want though is if rich eisen ever wants to retire um i would be happy to do rich eisen's job i love uh him as a broadcaster he's a stud he is and i love everything the nfl draft the podcast everything i'm i am a fan of media um and the art of media and i've learned to to love it and that's uh that's why i enjoyed and thank you for coming on today nick oh you you had a couple of questions you didn't get to i feel like what that you, uh, that you had sent me you know what i i wanted to be mindful of your time was there anything that i sent you that you wanted to oh you know what i i asked you uh contests are you gonna be joining any of the big super contests or circus or survivors do you do a lot of the contest stuff yeah um uh, the answer to that question is going to be yes, um, but we're going to do like stuff on. I'd rather not say it here because we're going to like do it on the show coming up. Okay, beautiful. there's like something that hasn't been like announced yet that we're going to announce on the show. Well, we'll be uh, uh we're this uh will probably come out the Monday of football season, so you you probably will be out by the it time. Will, it may not be at that. May, point. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll play it safe. Uh, Nick, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Oh, can I give you because only because I want to just say one other thing. I'm like because you had a question about the general state of sports betting media. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I know like a lot. I I just like my thought is. Like, I don't care about any of it. Um, I know, like, a lot of people really do, um, and I just don't. Um, I want to, like, do my show, and I think the thing that people like about the show is that I think we're just, like, who we are on the air, like I am with you now, or, like, we are, like, we Ken and I are off the air. Um, we shoot it straight. We tell it like it is. We try and do the best job possible, try and be as authentic as possible. I think I'm really honest in the way I kind of present myself. Like, I'm never going to come on and be like, hey, I'm pro gambler, Nick Costos. I win all the time. I don't. Um, long term, I'm definitely down. I'm definitely not up. Well, the last couple of years have been better, but definitely definitely not up long term. So try and present myself as as honestly as, as I can. And I think people really like that. And then I'm just like, kind of let the chips fall where they may. And like, there's always going to be stuff. Yeah, like there's stuff that I see where I'm just like, like really like this is kind of how people are presenting themselves and you know it just kind of is what it is and i try not to get like caught up into it so Same. i try not to gatekeep there there's an audience for everybody i don't like when people misrepresent themselves that that bothers me but like i guess like my thought would be like i don't either but like there's this is just my opinion and i know like there are a lot of people that feel opposite of this and like i'm friends with a lot of these people and it's not like meaning that they have to feel the same way that i do i just feel like it's never like it's ne this is these are human beings like it's actually never going to not be this it's always it's always going to be this people are always going to be frauds and hucksters and and, and carnival barkers and present themselves as being something they're not um, I try and be like, okay, like this person is probably, and look, I, maybe I'm being a little optimistic here. Like everyone's trying to, I also don't have to do that stuff. Cause I feel like my show is kind of recognized that I'm kind of recognized already. Maybe I'd feel differently if I weren't, if you're like, how do I get attention? Well, maybe it's by, you know, I'm like nine and one in my last 10 bets, ignoring that, you know, I picked like an arbitrary sample size and maybe I lost my last eight prior to the last 10 that I, for example. Right. Um, I just. I don't think there's anything to be done about it. And I just try not to, I try not to let it bother me. And it's difficult. It is difficult sometimes. I feel like that's like a really hot button issue um, that I know a lot of people have a strong take on. My take is 
I do get bothered. There is a lot of bullshit that goes on. I also like, I can't let it like impact my life because it's just like, there's too much. I, I'm trying to like focus on other shit. That's me. I'm not trying to soapbox anything or anyone. No, I, I also, I just, I love my life too much to care about uh, what other people are doing. Like I, I've never been, I mind my business. I, I'm the least uh, curious person. When someone says, hey, did you hear about this person? I said, no, I, I don't care. This isn't going to affect my my life in a positive or negative way. And I don't want uh, to receive any of the gossip. And you know what they always say, Nick? The guy who says they won nine of their last 10 bets, that just means their 11th bet was a loser. Otherwise, they would have included of it. Of course, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. And like that's why like I, there were a couple years, and like I'm guilty of this. A couple of years, like I would like tweet like all my winners on an NFL Sunday, and then like I would see like, oh, everyone's doing this. It's kind of like, also like, then what happens? Okay, so it's really great. I have an NFL Sunday where I go like eight and three on sides and I have a winning prop day and like I hit a bunch of anytime touchdown long shots. Wow, that's really great. And like, yeah, like people really like it. But then like, okay, what happens the next Sunday if I go three and eight and the props lose? Like now what now what do I do? So my MO now is I don't tweet about any of it. We talk about it on the show. So like we lose, we talk about it on the show. We win, we talk about it on the show. And I, I'm just like, I'm trying not to put any of that shit on social media now because it, you can, you'll never, you'll never please people. Never, ever. Never. So I'm not even going to try. You alluded to the show. Tell people you better, you bet where they can find it, how they can listen, what times of the day. Yeah. So we're on a three to 7 PM Eastern Monday through Friday. Um, once football season starts, which is unofficially the Tuesday after Labor Day, um, we are on Monday through Friday, three to seven. Um, then we are on Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, leading you right up until kickoff, literally. Uh, I do tons of radio interviews throughout the week as well. I'll have some other cool announcements of stuff that I'll be doing, which I can't say now, uh, but will get announced at some point over the next couple of weeks prior to the season. But um, search You Better You Bet wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on the Odyssey app. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitch. And we're on tons of radio stations nationwide. I would list all of them, but I don't know them all, and it would be really cumbersome. <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll leave you with my catchphrase. Wishing everybody minimal sweats. Winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. Hey, that's it for me. Another edition of 90 Degrees is in the books. I want to thank my guest, Nick Costas, host of You Better You Bet, the sponsors of this podcast, Pinnacle and BetStamp, and my producer, Jason Cooper. Thanks for listening. Do me a favor before you go. I want you to like the content, subscribe, share, and comment. We'll be back next week with another guest on the 90 Degrees podcast where we give an inside look into the sports betting industry. That's it for me. Hope you enjoyed. Until next time.